G'day, Mike. G'day, Yogi. Good afternoon, good evening, gentlemen. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to everyone listening out there in Radio Land. And uh, here we go again, another Wednesday night live. Another Wednesday night live. We've got a big show tonight. We've got uh, Dave Murphy coming on later to talk about his Euro uh, Euro pandemic, which is a pretty stunning big truck. Big show, big truck. That's what it is. Big, a big, uh, big truck. Very innovative piece of gear. We're going to find out all about that. We'll talk about a couple of other things for the first half an hour, though. Craig, have you uh, you, you got anything? What's the uh, sponsor of the show, mate? We've got our sponsor today is Rentco for all your uh, rental needs in the transport industry. Um, you can find them at uh, rentco.com.au or you can call one three hundred. 736-826 and uh, yeah they've got a bit of everything prime movers, everything. Laptops, scales taut liners starting to see yeah, looking forward to getting over there and meeting Roscoe and the, and the team and in Western Australia we're over there for the MacMaster Rinko are also big sponsors of the MacMaster aren't they Yoke? correct they certainly are they've been uh
where, you know, when you're sitting there, like, so I got a little bit of a intel at the border checkpoint. That's they're going to open the road at 5 o'clock a.m. first time. Keep yeah. in mind that the time changes about 10 k's from Tiguna to 45 minutes back to Central Western Time, which is a dumb time. You're only on that for about two hours. Makes yeah. no sense. Uh, and, then, and then, so five o'clock in the morning, if you're on, if you're going, they're going to open the road. Go. So I, I beeline straight down for Tiguna and managed to get parked on the road. So I yep. on the road out the front of the road out to Tiguna, started the 90 mile. Yep. Now, the night before, right, the night before, they let 30 or 40 trucks go. So yep. it was just on dark, I think it was. So there was there was dribs and drabs of trucks coming through. About 2 o'clock in the morning, well, I'm sleeping on the road with about 50 other trucks because there would have been at least 200, 150, 200 trucks waiting to leave. So there's about 50 of us parked on the road. Now, if you did this, what on earth possesses you to do 100 parked-up trucks at a blocked road? <laughs> I nearly got shook out of the bus. Somebody just decided to hold a flat past 50 trucks parked in the lane. Where, where is the etiquette? Well, where's the common sense? Anything could happen. Where, where's the education? Mm, you know, yeah. like one one step out of the off the runner board, and you're in the and you're in the, the um in the eastbound lane, and then we couldn't do anything about it. We're all parked up there. That's where it was. That was what they instructed us to do. Everybody stay there. It's a block road. They had traffic control. They had road closure signs. Everything was sufficient. And know that you're going to stop there at Tiguna. Everybody knew it. Except yep. whoever was going eastbound at 2 o'clock in the morning holding it flat <laughs> past all the trucks. Far out. If I catch up with it, I'd flog you myself. Mm. Do, we, do, do we know who it was? Do we identify the individual? No, I couldn't. How could you? I mean, by the time I sort of crawled out of my little bear cave and looked <laughs> back, you just seen a set of star lights on the tall line. Mm. So I just thought someone... Yeah. I thought oh, someone yeah. might have picked it up. Well, yeah. I, I mean, we got up in the morning and you asked around, but, yeah, a lot, a lot of people out there running with ice packs and trucks running. And I think there was a lot of two-up teams out there that don't necessarily park up for extended periods of time or yeah. they've either got motels. Because a lot of them out there had a motel booked at Mundrabilla and then they heard the road was going to open. So they all launched down to Kaiguna.
I think that's the key. Perhaps everyone that could understand what was being said might be the cue. Yeah, it was very well done. Very well run exercise. Very, very, um, yeah, very clear, very concise. Everybody knew. If you could understand what was going on, you knew what was happening. So, yeah, and then and then, then the, the absolute shenanigans started, the ridiculous, the ridiculous overtaking and all that happened as we started to head down to the... Uh, to the airstrip at Caledonia, where we were told on Channel 40 again at 5 o'clock in the morning that we're all going down there to regroup yep. and, uh, and and go from there through the fire under escort. So why why people were rounding up other trucks? There's a line of 150 trucks. Yep. Why, if you've got 102 or 103, are you wanting to go around the truck in front of you? <laughs> well, it's not as if you've got anywhere else to go. I mean, you've just got nowhere else to go. So, and uh, look, I, I just, I did, I don't understand it. And then, the, and like the, the couple of couple of young blokes pulled up behind me, and uh, they come over and you know, I sort of mentioned something about the TV and what who we are, and and I sort of mentioned to them that you're the tools that were right on my back on my ramp. That there's no point doing that because we're not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, and, and so we had a little chat about etiquette. And this is what I want to talk a little bit about today. Etiquette on the road. Where, where the etiquette goes. So these young blokes, they do it weekly, right? Now, they don't know what etiquette is because they haven't been taught. That's the problem in itself, though, isn't it? Yeah, the education of the road etiquette is gone. So we want to bag out new drivers, right? Because they don't know what to do. They don't know what they should be doing. They don't know where they are. They don't know what's going on. But we, we need some more education into new drivers. Well, my position's always been the same with respect to getting drivers from overseas. I don't care where they come from. As long as they uh, have some experience driving on our roads before they end up in the biggest thing and you can drive unsupervised, right? They yeah. go out of these things and they're unsupervised. And, and this is the problem. We, they don't know. The culture in other, company, uh, in other countries is very, very different to what it is here. Uh, the driving experience is very different. And, you know, the, the whole life is very, very different. And this is what's causing some of the friction. Craig, I think you had something to say. I cut you off, mate. Well, it is. It's a simple thing that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So I think we've been over this before and we, we do see new people and, and nobody helps to train them. So, Yogi, it's, you know, good stuff that you're there trying to help them understand that whilst whilst you're all travelling together. Um, but it's something that's not taught in depots or even out on the road or or, or in, um, you know, you're all standing around waiting somewhere and no-one seems to really talk about it, do they? It's just um, everyone for, for themselves. Well, but that's become the, that's become the problem. Once upon a time, I remember when I was a young bloke and I first started driving trucks, you would go out and you would go to a roadhouse and there'd be a long table. I remember it fondly, for example, at the BP at Grafton, there was that one long table there. You'd go in there and you'd sit down with whoever was there and you'd have a conversation. You wouldn't be looking in your bloody phone or you wouldn't be uh, reading whatever. You'd be sitting there and you'd be having your feed and you'd be talking to the other blokes. These days, you can go into a roadhouse and, you know, you'll see blokes, there might be 10 blokes walking to the roadhouse and they'll sit at 10 different tables. They'll sit there engrossed in their phone 
They'll barely say good day to each other. It's ridiculous. I don't understand it. It's changed. Yeah, right. Hey, we're back. I dropped out there, boys. We're back right back. now. <laughs> so, so while, while you know, I sort of voiced my opinion to these couple of young blokes about the etiquette on the road, and like I was sort of saying to them, but it was it was a good constructive conversation. Very, very good. Very, very smart. There was four of them, two two up teams. Very smart in what they were saying, and very constructive in what they. One of one of you know they they, they were polite to talk to. You know, so while, while I pointed out that this isn't a race day, you know, you're, you're a two-up team and you do this weekly, right? This is what you do for a job. But this isn't race day. So we've got to understand that this is a fire condition. There is change road conditions. There is different driving conditions. There is different elements to this day that are going to make the day different to a normal crossing, weekly crossing. So... So you've got to have your eyes wide open. And as they, they looked, they were, they were, you know, they were understanding and we had a bit of a chat. And yeah, it was all it was all good in the end. But, geez, there was some tense times there when you're sort of, you know, pointing out that there's no need to be sitting too fed up in your back ramps there, man. Like, that, that's going to end badly for us all. Mm. Yeah. Well, when some of, the, some of the photos, Yogi, that I saw, you know, th- there was a good line that you could see of 20, 25, 30 trucks. And yeah, and a, and a and a a road train out in the right hand lane. Yeah, um, yeah. Trying, because, trying to get yeah, around. No. What I don't. Oh, yeah, I couldn't get it. There's yeah. And, no, and, well, if you've ever seen that photo on the pads parked up, well, that that was there where we where that was regrouping at the Balladonia Airstrip. Mm. So that was where everyone come to a complete stop. And you can see my little footers and my little ramps off to the left. I went, I went into the bush because I've seen that truck right behind me, and I'm thinking he ain't going to stop. And the one in front of me locked him up. <laughs> so nobody, no, to, to, to everyone's credit out there, no one was actually saying boo out there at that point in time. So everybody comes to an absolute screaming halt, you know, and uh, and there's trucks that just went right and there's trucks that went left. <laughs> so yeah, it was a bit, bit of a, it was a very interesting time out there. But it's totally unnecessary. That's the thing. Mm. It's totally unnecessary. Why risk your life for that crap? It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, and then, so the bit that really got me right, the bit that really got me going is after Balladonia. Now, right, eh? Right, eh? So we, we got through the fire like. And I'll go back. It was, it was spoken about on Channel 40 on the on the UHF, right at the fire scene. If anyone stops, it's a, a you know it's a massive fine. Everyone's looking at each other, going, "We're driving through a live fire. Why would anyone want to stop?" <laughs> like if you're if you're under escort with a fiery and a fire truck doing 80 k's an hour, which what everyone was told to do. Keep up to 80 k's an hour and don't stop. If you stop, there's a fine coming your way. I don't think anyone wanted to stop and face mask fellows. I can give you the tip. You know? so, <laughs> so everyone wanted to get through. So, yeah. So then the problem arose after Balladonia. Right? I, I was a single. I had about 15 ton on. So I, big gen too. She could hold her own. But everybody that thought they had 101 on the pedal and they must get in, because they've opened the road and I've sat out of Kaigoon and we don't sleep there, decided to start parking. Now, the natural progression, Mike, as you well know from Balladonia, there's a couple of uphill ponds out there. 
There is a few little bits of hills, yep. A few little bits of hills, yep. The natural progression is that the road train, there was a couple of tri-drive bobtail cameras out there coming over. So they've all do, they're all doing 90. There's a couple of oversizes that were heavy, so they're back at about 80 or 90. So the natural progression is the lighter, maybe B-double single truck will be a little bit quicker than maybe your road chains loaded, full trains, you know, speed triples and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, a few trucks start coming around and a few people start just getting a bit jumpy and they all start coming around. And then and then it just got me on the joke. There was people just coming around, blind corners, blind rises, and then all of a sudden, as you well know as well, because you've done it a million times out there, there's yeah. a line out there about an hour in from Northland. Yep. Well, they were letting two triples go to that mine because they're not they're not affected by the fire. So right. all these trucks that were sitting in the right lane because they got 101 and there's 100 trucks in front of them, all of a sudden, live lane, live lane, each bound's live, each bound's live. Yep. Where are we going to go now? Oh, we're going to break and push in. Yeah. And then you think, oh, well, look, all right, well, if you've got the leaks, get out of my way. If you've got the leaks going down the other side, get out of the way. You know, make yeah. it happen. We all, we all want to, we don't want to be caught up in this. But it was, it was, I'm surprised there wasn't a major accident out there at that point. Yeah. And once again, unnecessary. So the bit that I've seen really unnecessary was when we get to about 10 k's out of Norseman. Yeah. And everyone knows that the road's blocked at Norseman, except these triples and some fire trucks were being let through and a couple of dozers and wheel loaders, right? So there was spasmodic traffic eastbound, right? So we get we get to about the 10k peg out of Northman, you're going up a slight rise, double white line. There's a hundred trucks in front of me. We've all banked up again. We're all slowing down for Northman, except the couple that decided to still break. Step out into the right lane, blowing support the double white line, but pull your head in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we've all passed the Northman, and here you are rounding up trucks for no reason. Yeah, you couldn't make it up. It's stupidity on the next level, isn't it? Well, you would think that there, young Mike, but guess what happens after that? <laughs> oh, come on, don't tell me it got it got worse. Well, they all pull up and get fuel at Northman, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Where can we educate and how do we do this better? 
Well, that's the thing, isn't it? We do need to do something about it because well, it's got to come from us. It can't come from anywhere else. It's got to come from us. Yeah, that that that's it. Oh, look out! What's he going? He's gone, I think. Could be, could be like that. We we're trying to have a conversation this morning, probably about where he is now, and we um, had a few of these moments where she dropped in and dropped out. Hasn't completely dropped out yet, but um, he's yeah. been Telstra. Yeah, but it is one of those things, you know. I, I don't think any of that's taught anymore. Um, it's certainly, you know, you can go and go and get a a, a truck license, but in none of that training do they teach you about etiquette on the road and. But this craziness of, um, you know, you've got 150 trucks lined up and you've got speed differences between, you know, 99 and $1. three, and everyone's yeah. going to get around one another. Like, it's just just craziness, you know, and then particularly when they're just going to pull up and get fuel anyway. You, oh, you, can't, you just can't make it up. It's no. just ridiculous. But the the risk to to themselves and others is just, you know, it's just not worth it, you know. Again, I don't know what freight's that important that you've got to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, it, the whole thing that Yogi was talking about there before puts me in mind of the way they drive in the subcontinent, you know. You see, we've all seen the videos of what it's like. No one seems to care. It's just, you know, by the grace of the God, sort of... Mm. It is. All the way. No, it's you're... craziness, absolute craziness. Yeah. Sounds like your phone might be dropping in a bit near a bit too, Mike. Mate, I'm just coming down off tabletop. I've just got to get through this little dip. I'll be right. Should be right then. <laughs> we might go to a summer yeah, we... and see if we can get Dave on the. On That'd the, be uh, good. That's a good idea. On the phone here, but anyway, we're gonna gonna go to a bit of uh, Roger Miller, King of the Road. Don't know if you know. Awesome. Him, but here we go. I do. We'll be right back, everybody. For sale or rent Rooms to let 50 cents No phone, no pool, no pets Ain't got no cigarettes Ah, but two hours of pushing broom buys And eight, twelve, four bedroom I'm a man of means by no means King of the Banger man, whoa, worn out suit and shoes. I don't pay no union dues. I smoke old stogies. I have found short, but not too big around. I'm a man of means, by no means, king of the road. I know It ain't locked when no one's around I say Trailers for sale or rent Rooms let 50 cents No phone, no pool, no pets I ain't got no cigarettes I've got two hours of pushing Rising eight for twelve, four bedrooms 
sense. No phone, no pool, no pets. I ain't got no cigarettes, ah, but two hours of bush and broom buys it. We are back. That's the end of the song. So we, oh, uh, we try to get Dave there. He's just still driving at the minute. So um, he's going to call it's all back. It's my in. fault. Oh, yes. Yes. You gave it's him all my time, fault. did you? Well, I told him the show went from 7 till 9. Mm-hmm. And I told him that we'd give him a ring about 7.30. And I think he must have assumed that uh, we would ring him at 7. And, of course, we didn't. And so he thought, well, bugger this, I'm going to leg it. And <laughs> I can't blame him for that. No. no. And, um, yeah, there you are. Oh, well, we'll, we'll try him back there. Well, he needs another half an hour, apparently. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I don't know. That's the way it goes. And Yogi's dropped out. Now what? Um, oh, One thing I did want to have a bit of a chat about, you know, how many peak bodies do you reckon we've got in the transport industry in Australia? How many what, sorry? How many peak bodies do you think we have? <laughs> oh, just for transport? Yeah, just for transport. Um, 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 <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know. Nationally. Well, we've got at least, we've got at least two. Yeah, you reckon? They claim to be the peak body, right? Mm-hmm. The ATA claim to be the peak body. So so who is the peak body then? Well, I don't know who the peak body is, mate. The ATA claim to be. Well, I'd the like, ARTIO claim to be. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there are others, I think, Nat Rose at one point claimed to be a peak body. Right. Just got a caller here, Mike. We won't take this one. We'll just... Right, let's try that. So, yeah, we go. Who have we got on calling in? You are live, so mind the language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, mate. No, it's, uh, it's Troy here. I'm uh, uh, unfortunately living down in Western Victoria. Um, oh, but, uh, a little bit hot down uh, at the moment. Uh, it's, uh, it's hot for here, I suppose, but it's very bloody windy and we've got some big fires in both of it. Mm. But, uh, yeah. No, sorry, I've... I, 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 feel like I'm a little little I'm dropping in and out of the radio when I tried to call and so I it sounds like you wanted to hear from someone but and you thought they were calling in and it was me but <laughs> yeah I, um, I saw one there a minute ago but we don't always catch them depending on what's going on here in the studio so yeah fair enough no so anyways I I, I, I just uh, I only just tuned in to hear the end of Yogi um uh, talking about how to bring the etiquette back into the industry? Yeah. Um, and I, I just had a, a you know a, a quick little thing to say was that uh, I'm a young bloke. I grew up in the transport industry. I'm now working on a farm at the moment. Want to go back to it? And uh, honestly, I think the the best thing um, that's even helped me. Um, with learning the etiquette in the industry is is this radio show and this podcast. Um, love, I love what you guys are doing, and um, I think I think as far as education, something like this just needs to go a bit further to a lot more ears. Yeah. Um, well, we do have I, some I, bigger plans in, in in where we're going, particularly on the education side, um, 
and bringing yeah. a b- bit more passion back into the industry so so that it's not just a job that there's a little bit more to it than that but you know the levels of training are low and and what we consider training, right. training these days isn't really um it's just enough to tick a box to get get someone on a road so you know, no, did, well, that's right. You know, you uh, know at, at a conference recently, I sort of spoke about how, you know, so many people are happy to sit back and take videos of people, and tr- yeah. try to ridicule them about what they're doing, instead of actually yeah. walking over and and giving a hand. Now, and, and I can understand there's there's two sides to this story because I've been in the situation where I've gone over to offer some assistance to somebody, and been told pretty quickly, you know. What would that's you my know? Business. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know that's difficult, but I suppose in a way, if you tried to look at the whole industry as a family, you know, like as a parent, do you just throw your kid out the door because one day they didn't listen to you? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we actually, everybody who is what they call the experienced ones in the industry, like, start to teach instead of trying to ridicule or just stick your head in the sand and say it's none of my business like it, it all is it's it's our job as experienced operators to help the people that are coming through i i've got to say that in in me coming through the industry i was blessed with people who who wanted to teach and were happy to teach you um, so yeah. and, and accept that you do have shortfalls at times. Like no one's no one's perfect, and you know I've I've trained people that you know sometimes someone will pick a pick something new up straight away, or they might even do it better than you. Um, and then I've also had some times where you have to be extremely persistent um, and patient to to help people get through, but. So there's that that side of experienced operators helping out, but if you if you are green to the industry too, listen to the people that want to talk to you. I don't know how many times that I've tried yeah. to teach people like roles in in a single trailer, and they they tell me that they've towed triples up in the territory. I was good. You don't go backwards in them. That's fine. But but believing they have too much experience to listen to somebody that's trying to teach them something new so yeah you know a bit of a challenge. yeah so everyone's got to be open to listening to new ways or whatever and and as a as a person who may have been in the industry for a while too you still have to to keep um keep your mind open on what is new and what's changed and and what oh, what might absolutely. work better for you but you know, if if we never change, we'd still have asbestos sheeting in our homes. Part of the yeah, biggest yeah. the bigger picture is though that there are a lot of guys out there that uh, companies out there that aren't prepared to pay to train. They want their drivers to come to them fully formed. Mm. They don't want to pay to train them, and the reason why they don't want to pay to train them is because they're not making enough money from their their business. They don't as on the bar. Uh, meat on the bone mm. for them to, uh, to to have anything to train people. Yeah. So, you know, the, the best training right. I ever got in a truck, the whole time I've been driving, the best training I ever got in a truck was from Gamble's Transport when I went to the Quads and the Pilbara. Mm. Now, I already went there as an experienced road train driver. 
and they didn't care. What they wanted you to do was to sit there and be shown how to drive a quad, and you did it until you did it to the standard that they required of you, and if you didn't make it, you got on a plane and went home. Now, I think that that is the attitude that, that the employers have got to have. They've got to take responsibility for the people they're putting behind the wheel of the trucks, whether it's running up and down the Yearn, running up and down the Newell, running across to West, Western Australia, or doing whatever it is, take responsibility for the people you put behind the wheel to make sure that they do have the training. Mm. The only way that changes, of course, is if there's enough fat on the bone to pay for it. I know when I was paying for trucks, I certainly paid for enough damage and lost time. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. the way it goes. You've got to be able to do it. And if you can't do it, then you're not doing yourself any favours. You're not doing the industry any favours. Mm. You're not doing the country any favours. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. There you go. I think um, in yeah. most of that, Mike, it's, it is the way and there should be more of it, um, people trying to train. I do believe there are specific roles that do require an experienced operator, but even in those situations, you know, that experienced operator may still have to be trained in certain types of equipment. But if, yeah. you know, if you're going to go and be throwing... You know, those, some of these massive oversized loads on, you know, you've got to have had a reasonable amount of experience before you even get to the point of training in that that level. Um, yeah. But in saying that, a person who has a keen interest in that type of work probably would have moved themselves towards that anyway um, yeah. in, in what they've done. Can, so. can, I, uh, can I, I say on that? Oh, yeah, I agree with you, blokes, and... Um, uh, I'll, 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 yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've benefited a lot from um, uh, the position that I'm in at the moment. I'm, I'm working on a farm, but I'm, I'm um, you know, we, we have trucks on the farm, and I've sort of stumbled into the position of basically because there was no one else. Um, the, you know, the, the compliance manager for the farm. Uh, we, we only have one truck that regularly runs on the road, but um, the. Um, to be the only bloke here that has a passion for trucks, the, uh, it sort of fell for me, and I've, I've benefited a lot from um, from from that, and uh, sort of learnt that uh, both, I've, I've been both the employee and sort of the representative for the employer on the training side of things, mm. and I've, I've had to learn that, uh, you, as you say, that's the best attitude to have. You've, you've got to have that attitude as the the trainer for the employer that um, you you have to cover every base. You have to that's in everyone's best interest. Mm. Train regardless of what prior knowledge you have, and, and not 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 in a condescending way, but just to make sure everybody's on the same page. And as the employee. Uh, You've got to have the receptive attitude to it. Um, you've 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 just got to have that attitude of, like I you know I grew up, uh, you know, getting around the country uh, with the old man as you know as, as an owner operator and and you know sort of had a little bit more of an advantage than some other people in knowing about trucks and and um, and what to do and and but. I, I'd never begrudge someone trying to teach me something, mm. and 
if 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 it's if it if I you know if it is the wrong thing, well you know you just sort of listen listen anyways and see what you can learn from from that. But um, well, it, it's 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 be, it's be, it's best to listen and learn every chance that you get, and it's best to offer that education every chance that you can get. And uh, yeah, that and and the the best thing that I've of uh, found to encourage that sort of culture of listening and learning from both sides is well, yeah. Like this, 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 this podcast and radio station has is does a great thing for it. Uh, Bruce Gando, great, great bloke. What he does, um, it does a lot to help. And it was, you know, I, I, I never fully uh, appreciated his advice of always. Uh, yeah, he, he always says that um, any driver would uh, benefit greatly from, um, you know, taking a, taking a step into the shoes of the allocator or the compliance manager, that bloke. Think about how the industry works as a whole and think about that as a driver. Uh, like you say, think of it as a family. Think about the other parts of the chain that are moving. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think, yeah, that's sort of... That's sort of the key, and that's sort of how the etiquette will come around. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think, don't. I, I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think I think there is something to be said for the idea that drivers need to need to realise that there's more to it than just what they do on the road. But unfortunately, you know, most people, and I mean, I've been guilty of it from time to time. The biggest problem in the world is the one that's right in front of you. And, yeah, you're um, right. <laughs> you know, and sometimes you're right. <laughs> there's sometimes we're not very charitable, uh, particularly when the allocator hasn't given you the right information, or someone's made life a little bit more complicated than it needs to be. But I've went, you know, when it, but, <laughs> but when it comes down to uh, when it comes down to being taught how to do the job, uh, we do let people go a little bit too early. Uh, I know that um, there's been a, uh, a, a statement put forward from from uh, the transport bodies about reforming our driver's licence system. They're actually going to reduce the amount of time it takes to, uh, to get from a HR to an MC licence. But they're going to require now something that they've never required before, and that's documented evidence of experience. Um, and I think that, you know, when I first had a look through what the proposals are for licence reform, I was, I was a little shocked that the time was going to get shortened, but I was also pleasantly surprised by the changes that are going to be made. Now, of course, there will be people that will doctor the books and try and uh, squeeze their way through the system. That will always happen. My hope is that there will just be enough checks and balances in place to make sure that that rorting is as minimal as possible, Craig. Yeah, well, that, I mean, you can't have it, ever have a perfect system. So, and, and one of the things that the transport industry has done for as long as it's been around is try to be the rebel against any kind of change or, or enforcement. So, we're, we're, it's in our blood to try to circumnavigate 
any kind of regulation, um, new training, anything that's out there. That's the industry. It loves doing it. So it, it's um, the, the changes now with things like um, competency-based levels of, of driver training or, or licensing is that, yeah, it, do, it does open up that opportunity. But if you're out there getting trained to drive, surely it's got to be a better system of just holding a, a HC license for two years and then going to get an MC and never driven a HC truck in your life. Um, well, you could go from an HR to an MC with no proof of experience. That's right. So that, that was the one, that was what you could do. So you could go from driving something that weighs ten ton to something that weighs two hundred and forty ton. With no experience whatsoever. Yeah. So, as much as it will probably happen, I think the opportunity will be a lot less, and the actual uh, level of of drivers that come through would hopefully be be better. But but one of the things that we we haven't concentrated on as an industry is in encouraging people from a young age to actually be passionate about what they do. Um, you know, you, you look at many people that are firemen or police officers or nurses or teachers, they they have that and they're encouraged from a very young age if that's what you want to do. So, and I've seen this happen on more than one occasion where a, a young person is, they love trucks and they, or they love, you know, forklifts or farming or whatever. But when it comes to truck driving, quite often they'll be told, no, you can do better than that. Yeah. Well, you, why would you want to be just a truck driver? And and those words are what, you know, talk about things that crumb your cookies, Mike. Well, yeah. you know, that's what I hate that. I think it's terrible that... I've talked a lot of that. Yeah, that they're influenced yeah. to not take up something that they're passionate about. Now, if you love your job, you'll never work a day in life. Yeah. So... That, yeah. that person in the job, in the role that wants to actually look after that truck, who doesn't mind giving it a wash every now and then or keeping it clean and tidy and, you know, making sure that it's presented well, that, you know, if there's something wrong with it, instead of just seeing if you can get it home and let someone else find it and worry about it, um, yeah, that you might actually spend a bit of time on the, on the side of the road or, you know, Go to a garage somewhere and get fixed. So, yeah. So there's a lot of things like that that when when we're we're not passionate about what we do, you don't care. It's not so much that I think that there are a lot of guys out there that are passionate. I mean, you've only got to go the casino or Alexander or the classic or anything like that, mate. There's plenty of blokes out there that are passionate. Mm. What we've done is we've allowed the uh, occupational health and safety bloody gurus mm. and everybody else, the insurance companies, etc., to, to say that, you know, you can't take a kid into a transport yard because if you do, he'll be, he'll be killed instantly. Mm. You know, and you can't take, your know, dad can't take the young bloke or the young girl, his young daughter on a trip in the truck. I mean, that was the nursery. That was the area where, you know, the young bloke did learn what the job was at his dad's, you know, at his dad's side sitting in the cab. And he would tell his mates about it too, you know. And and this was what this was what happened. Now, I don't care what anyone says. 
if you're a long distance truck driver and doing something like, for example, what Yogi does, you go all over the place, you cut all sorts of different brakes. It's a lifestyle. It's not a job. Mm. You know, it's the way it's the way you live. People, some people can't understand what what the attraction is. Um, you know, I get I get paid very well to sit in a big truck, look in there at the window of the corner office, listen to music, and talk to people on the phone. Mm. Yeah. I just happen to shift some freight at the same time. Yeah, so that's just a secondary thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you know. And you know, this is the one of the things that I don't think it, people people just sometimes just don't get it. What I don't get is how can you sit in an office and listen to someone chew and slurp on coffee? Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure I can handle it. In fact, I know I couldn't. It, um, you know, yeah, it has its moments, and you you know, you talk about the the job of somebody that you know does allocate and do compliance and things like that. Some days, some days. They just want nothing more than to go outside and jump on a forklift or do something a little bit different. Um, well, this is the other thing too. I mean, there, there's much more to transport than driving trucks. That's right. You know, there's there's much, much, much more to it. I mean, we are, you know, we're the ones that, that move it around and everyone else is a support worker. There's no doubt about that. But at the end of the day, we're moving the stuff that people want mm. and... You know, without trucks, Australia stops going. You have another cliche in there somewhere, yeah, do you reckon? Yeah. Hey, Troy, <laughs> you must have some birds or something chirping in the background there, have you? It's going, they're going nuts, aren't they? Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, it, yeah she's a, a windy day here, and, and uh, I've got the uh, all the working dogs are going off their head. So I've been doing too much grain carting, and they haven't had much work. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> sorry. I, I, yeah. I, I, I can drop out I thought of it. I was uh, my for a second. Milo don't like that. <laughs> no, he only barks when there's someone here. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, but thanks, Troy. You, you know, you, you're dead right. And I'll tell you what, mate. On the farm, there, there's there's no better way <clears throat> than to be learning how to drive some big gear. Um, not not saying that you can't cause any damage, but you just the opportunity's more, isn't it? Like. Or even to try something silly, like let's hook up three trailers or, you know, let's see if I can back the, the tractor into the shed with the band cedar and the and the harrows and the combine all hooked up at once. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, well that, that's that right. Fun. I mean, um, I, I, I learnt how to, you know, before I actually really learnt how to drive a B-double, I, I had to learn how to back the articulated tractor with, the air cedar bar and the air cart behind it and the liquid cart behind that and you got you know, what, five six points of articulation and mm. uh, you know um yeah and, and i'm not saying that i mastered it but um it, it certainly helped me yeah it's like when you have an august set up for a cedar box or something with i oh, know you might be doing something a little bit different instead of using an auger on the on the seed box and you think i can just back that under there and and you do because every time you do it for the first time, you have that stupid dumbass luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, yeah. and then you have this. Then so you try massive, to recreate it ever again. You have this massive boost of confidence <laughs> that, yeah, it proves to you that yeah, you were simply just dumbass luck the first time. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah but you you do have that opportunity and and watching something like 
you know, an articulated tractor and a cedar bar and a, and a cart behind it is enough then to put a, put a gas one behind that as well. But, um, yeah, it, it teaches you where everything moves and you can do it slowly and probably not without too many people watching you. So, <laughs> so yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. You can have yeah. A bit of fun. i got a story about that. <laughs> mm. Oh, mate, I... The other week, I uh, I backed the B double into the yard. Uh, no one was watching me, mate. I put it in exactly where I wanted it first try. Strike straight at like a hand straight into a glove, and I was pretty happy with myself. And I sat there, and I she took a moment to appreciate how well I had done that. The next time I did it, I had a couple of drivers standing beside the office watching me. And do you think I could get it in there where I wanted it? No, not a chance. Backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. One of the boys walked over and said, first time back in a B-double, Mick. <laughs> Just kept walking. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Only one. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah. When have you got an audience? There you go. Mm. Anyway, no pressure. we might... Um, thanks for your call, Troy. Um, yeah, thanks for calling, mate. Yeah, and we are we are doing what we can, mate, to, um, to make improvements in the industry. That's what we're here for. So... Stay tuned. We've got some plans afoot. Got some big things we'll do. coming. We'll do. Big things coming. So, we'll All right. Good, on. Good on you, fellas. Right I'll, on. Um, I'll, I'll drop back to listening. I'll, no uh, worries. <laughs> All right. right thanks for your call, mate. And good luck down that way with the heat and the fires. Thank you. Right on. Bro- bro- Brother Hannafy's just gone the other way. Oh, following you. Well, go, go on the other way. He's heading back. Yeah, brother had it. He's just gone the other way up towards Albury. I was talking to him this morning. We're both um, heading off to Canberra on Friday. All right. Yeah. Okay. Catch a plane tomorrow sometime. All right. Well, that'll be fun for you. Oh, always. I love waiting in airports. You know. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Can't get enough of it some days. Well, I know. Yeah. All right. So what are we waiting for Dave to call back or are we going to call him? No, I think Dave said he'd call back. It'd probably be a little right. after a little after eight, right. I think. So. All right. Yeah. But I was just reading a bit of stuff here. Oh, it's going to disappear now. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I can't find it. So anyway, too bad you can't hear it. But yeah, some funny facts, you know. Okay, you can't see your ears without a mirror. This is true. Yeah. Can't count your hair. Well, yeah, no, you well, you, you could if you shaved it all off, but your hair gone. What else? You can't breathe through your nose while you're sticking out your tongue. Okay. Are you sticking your tongue out right now? No, I'm not trying <laughs> that, mate. I'm not that. I'm not that stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So we might we might go to a song there, Mike. We might um, Yogi might be coming back too. So we'll, we'll no, see no. where we go. Had one ear, brother Burgini. He's he's sent in race with the devil. Do you know what that one is? I've never heard it. So oh, it'd be a uh, it'd be a, it sounds like a um, Gene Vincent. What's his name? Gene Vincent. Ah, oh, yeah. So, yep. Anyway, we'll throw that on. Get his request out of the way early. Yeah, I was thinking stray cats, but anyway, there stray you go. Cats, not the stray cats, but anyway. Brian Setzer, Brian Setzer. It's look at Brian Setzer's on. Mm. Anyway. We'll go to, go to his uh, race with the devil and uh, we'll be back shortly. Well, let an evil laugh. 
race with the devil so she'd be quicker that song than i thought well we were racing with the devil weren't we needs to be quick yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. so anyway we... the only devil well i was gonna say the only devil song i know is where some redneck won his golden but he biddle off him down in georgia mm. but anyway that's yeah. anyway there you go yeah now where were we before troy rang we were talking about the feet bodies yeah so you've Come up with something here, and we're talking about awards. Well, yeah, so I, I, I decided I wanted to find out, soon as how the Closing the Loopholes Bill's now gone through the Parliament, we're waiting for that to uh, ascend, to get royal ascension and all that other stuff that we go through because we're a Commonwealth country. Mm. And uh, even though we like to think we're independent, somewhere or another, someone from London has got to sign off on what we do or the Governor-General or whatever it is. I don't, I'm not sure how it works. Maybe we should have a politics lesson one day. I don't know. Mm. But I was having a look at it now. The Frozen and Loopholes Bill's gone through, as we said. There are two registered bodies with Fair Work Australia who are able to go and form these uh, advisory committees and things like that for for this uh, this. Um, panel that we're going to have down the track. That's right, isn't it, that, that assessment? As far as, as I'm aware. Right. right. So one of those registered bodies is Transport Workers Union. Yep. The other registered body is the ARTIO, or the Australian Road Transport Industry Organisation. That's right. Now, I don't know very, very much at all about the uh, ARTIO, and I know only what I've been told and what I've come to believe about the TWU. Now, we all know that not all of us agree with the TWU on everything all the time. That's a fair thing to say, isn't it? 
I don't think anybody agrees on anything. No. <laughs> All up, yeah. No, there's there's um, there's common ground and there's uncommon ground. So, but that depends exactly on, on where you exactly sit and your view of the world because you may be yeah. yeah. But yes, it certainly would be true that not everyone agrees on everything all the time. Without putting too fine a point on it, uh, it's pretty fair to say that the TWU has had a history of not being friends with owner drivers. So that's that's just a given, and you've only got to look at what happened at Razorback and since then to understand that. Now I know times are changing, and we've got a little bit of a different view, and we've got people here that are. You know, we're all on the same side. We've got the Australian Transport Advisory Group. I suppose that's the term I'd use to describe the the current coalition of forces that we have mm. deciding uh, or hopefully presenting on our behalf. I know the ATA have lost no time in getting their guns out and borrowing a few salvos to uh, start lobbying for what their constituents want. Uh, with respect to the closing the loopholes bill. Um, and, you know, they're desperate to be heard, as they have been for a long time. And it's nice to see the ATA join the party eventually. But at the at the end of the day, uh, what we're after is this minimum, minimum standards thing. Now, we've had the conversation about minimum rates, and it's certainly not that. So let's put that aside right from the start. Well, I think but I know bugger... Yeah, well, I know bugger all about the ARTIO, so I, I decided I'd go to their webpage and have a look and see who they are. And the first thing I saw was that they claimed to be the peak body representing transport and industry uh, employers. Um, so they're not owner drivers either, are they? Well, they're not, no. And that's, I don't think they've ever claimed to be that, and I don't think any owner driver would have claim that they have great um, affiliations, probably not the right word, but, you know, there's, yeah, they do sit, owner drivers sit in the middle of both of those. Oh, they do indeed. So who's going to be the voice for the owner drivers in this thing, Craig? The NRFA. But we're not a registered body. We've got no power. There's, there's only two, and that's the way it's always been. So um, if, um, if you need to be friends with the two bodies there... That's that's where you need to be at the moment. So get somewhere, get that, somewhere sitting in the middle. Um, now, yeah, that's that's it. And you know, I know, I know everyone talks and throws rocks and everything about you know walking hand in hand, singing kumbaya. But but if that's where where someone needs to be to help make changes, well. You know, that's where you need to be, and, All right. and that's where the voice is. So, I, 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 I will stand very strong on that stance because we are there with good relationships with both, and probably to say keep them both honest, particularly for owners. Right, eh? Well, yeah. the fact remains though that 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 they're, they're the ones that are going to be deciding on what goes into these minimum standards, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and what goes to fair work and, and everything else. Well, they're the so, ones that oh, form the. The, the committees that that do make those decisions. So, yeah, we we all want to be part of those committees to help help make the right decision. Well, that's that. This is all yet to be seen, of course. It's, we're in a crisis, you know. It's going to take two years to sort this stuff out. Good job, no one's hanging by their testicles waiting for an answer. Um, the 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 thing that struck me though, as I was looking at the ARTIO website. 
There's been a few things that haven't been updated there for quite some time there, fellas, at the ARTIO. And quite a few pages that you click on them and they show 404, this page is not available. And we're going to trust these blokes to represent owner-drivers. Maybe that hasn't been updated either. Um, oh, look, I'll tell you, mate, I, I just looked at it and I was gobsmacked. These guys claim to be the big body. Mm. I just does my editing. Now, while I was there, though, yeah. I did happen to find the long-distance uh, industry award for, for truck drivers, right? Yep. Guess, guess what I found while I was there? There's a table. A PDF document? <laughs> uh, there's several PDF documents. Mm -hmm. But a one table. of the PDF documents, a table, yeah, a table. Right. Uh, which, yeah, no chairs. This is standing room only there, I tell you. Right. So on this on this table, there were cities and destinations and distances, agreed distances, and agreed hourly driving times between the said capitals. Mm. Right now, on an accompanying table, there were rates of pay per kilometre that were agreed for different classes of heavy vehicles. Mm. Now, it came as a surprise to me, although I probably shouldn't have, that if you're driving a multi-combination vehicle, a B-double over 54 tonnes, mm -hmm. um, before you get an increase in pay, you've got to be driving something that weighs more than 94 tonnes. Yeah, I was Great. just looking for this table, but I'll tell you what, I'm looking at the top grade here and I have to say I don't know anyone that would be working for that kilometre rate or hourly rate, to be honest. Um, this is just, this is the award we're talking about. This is the minimum standard that we've got here at the moment. You know, so what, I wanna, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm going to point out, Tom, I'm, I'm working my way through logically to what I want to get to, okay? Mm. Bear with me. Trying to. <laughs> Keep going. Am I going to have to go and sort this off, draw, Craig? Oh, maybe. Depends. <laughs> depends. <laughs> yeah. If you want to. Here's the here's the thing. Right here's the thing. You're driving a B double weighing fifty four tons. Mm. If you're driving an A double, what's an A double weigh? Weigh, Craig? Oh, up to eighty five. Up to eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah. Not ninety four though, eh? Generally not. Generally not. So you've got to have, you've got to drive this A-double on the East Coast. You're only supposed to do 90 kilometres an hour. Mm. And, you know, we're getting these things going all over the place now. Yeah. Up and down between Melbourne and Sydney, we've got them running all over the place. If you go back to the other table and you have a look at the agreed driving times <laughs> and the agreed rates that you're getting paid, right? Yep. I... I would defy anyone to do some of the driving times they reckon in an A-double. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you'd even struggle in a B-double, I think, Well, um, doing doing some of them. I reckon you'd probably right there. But I will say this. Yeah. Um, any of those times you don't agree with, mm -hmm. which, looking at these, I'd find hard to believe too, but the rates yep. of pay... Here's a simple one. Would you work for those? For that? 
mate, I, would, I won't work for kilometre rates, period. Yeah, but even they've got hourly rates there. Yep. Would you work for that? Some of those hourly rates are a little bit low, mate. They're a lot lower than I'm working. So, I, I, yeah, we, we deal with people applying for jobs all the time. I can tell you, none of that there would even would even get a phone call if you advertise that as what you were paying. Be nowhere near it. Just, uh, what I'm saying to you, mate, is that's the minimum standard. Yeah. So that's all that's right. part of you know that's part of what like our tag can be set up to change so yeah that then can be a negotiation between yeah but, you know, but they're not going to look at they're not going to look at drivers awards mate it's not going to happen who's not going to look at drivers awards the uh, closing the loopholes thing um if that's what's presented that's what gets looked at that's that's why it's been set up that way so uh, if someone yeah, brings so. it forward to talk about um what the award is then that's what a committee's formed on. That's, that's right where go. So if you, so, if so you, you looked at that, those rates and said, well, that's, yep. that, you, you can be fairly sure that the union's going to be bringing something forward on that. Well, the union have got a pretty good history of selling away yeah, drivers' yeah. Uh, drivers um, yes. entitlements in EBAs, mate. They've been doing it for years. The, so, they've, they've, they've sided with the employers again and again and again and again. Yeah. and basically cut the guts out of any entitlements drivers got. Yeah, I understand why why anyone would be cynical on that, um, but we're, we're looking at a whole new instrument here. So, I I personally would just like to see how it goes. And look, if at the end of the day we end up in the same situation, people can call me out on that and say, "Told you, mate, it didn't work." And I'll say, "Yep, right, it didn't." But if if we don't have a go, well, then nothing. Will change either. So this is Not a situation. We shouldn't have a... This is a situation where, like, a drivers might want more money, so that'd be something to be brought forward by the union. You've got to have the opposing um, part of the industry there to to um, debate that, and and someone in the middle to try to help come to a compromise on where that sits. Well, so all, all I'm saying to you, mate, you look at the way things are stacking up right now. Look at a little bit of history. See what's happened with owner-drivers and the TWU. Yep. Have a look and see who the ARTIO represent and ask yourself who has got a part in actually doing the business at the end of the day has got to be the voice for drivers. Um, and I think, I think that, you know, I, I, am, I am extremely cynical about this. Hmm. And the reason why I'm cynical is because I've been kicked in the crutch several times. Yeah, that's right. And, and, with all this. And plenty of people have. And like I said, it's, you know, is it time that you have to put a bit of history aside and say where are we going to move to in the future or are we going to carry everything that's happened into the past on trying to negotiate something for the future? So well, I'm not saying this is all the answers. Far from it. But... It actually, there's an instrument there now that that we can get involved in and try to get some changes through that people have been begging for for so many years. And I, I, I wish it could all happen tomorrow as well, but I'm also well enough aware of, of what the parliamentary procedures are and how these things go. So, but I am hopeful, Mike. That's and that's all I can say. I'm I'm hopeful. Well, and and if on, we were on the outside. 
yeah. on the outside, we have a look back and we can see what the government can do when it suits them to do it. They no. they sorted us out properly for COVID, mate. Yep. Took next to no time to do absolutely anything. Yeah. They locked people in their houses. They destroyed our lives for two years. Yeah. Right? They could do it all flat, straight away. Yeah. Make an announcement, make it happen, and you will do it. And now we've discovered that all that was unlawful. <laughs> and it, But the damage has been done. Yeah. The damage has been done. Absolutely. If you want to save the barrier reef, no problem. We can find half a billion to save the barrier reef. We can just write that off and pay for yeah. it. So but if, when it comes down to doing something for truckies, yeah. two bloody years, mate. So, so if that's the case, though, then we look at now some of the things that were the decisions were made through COVID, and they are getting there's there's rulings there now that are getting overturned. Yeah, of course there are. So, but here's the thing: that, the damage has been done. Yeah, I, the I damage has that. been done. I understand. People that. have taken their lives over this. Businesses have gone bust over this. And here's the and the really good bit is if anyone decides they're going to sue the government for compensation, who's going to pay for that? The taxpayers are going to pay for that yet again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you know, no so, one's going to win. Yeah. So in saying that, yeah. is it not wise then to make sure that we do it properly? Well, I would Instead like of, to think so. And you and me know what we need to do tomorrow to fix some things. We know that. Absolutely. Yeah. Getting the rest of of um, the parliament and everyone else to see it the same doesn't happen overnight. So. All I can say is I'm not giving up. I'll keep trying. So, you know, we're still I'm not giving believe. up, mate. All I'm doing is pointing out the history. Yeah. I, you know, pointing out the fact that this is what's going to happen. Yeah. We don't. If you want to send someone down a bush track, mate, form a committee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. what happens. Yeah. I know. I sit yeah. on quite a few yeah. of them, and I I understand that I go into these things probably with sometimes a level of cynicism like you do. But I also have to sit there with a level of being optimistic about that we can actually do something. If if we don't try, nothing will happen and it will only get worse. So if if no one's there sitting there representing, what, what would happen then? Well, uh, it depends on who's doing the representing, doesn't it? Well, it does, but, you know... It, there's certain times in history where there's been people representing us that certainly shouldn't have been there, but they were. Mm. So, you know, I don't know. You've only, got, you've, only got, you've only got to look at what happened at the Poplars Park area just south of Goulburn, May 25th, south of Goulburn. There was a lovely row of poplars there that you get a lovely afternoon shade from and all the rest of it. Mm. Where, where are they now? Don't know, They're gone. Firewood, yeah. They're gone. Is there people right? now trying to prevent this sort of stuff from happening? Yeah, they are. That's like, you know, as much as... It's like everything, mate. Damage has been done. Trees are gone. Yeah, but can someone stop it from happening again? Well, oh. Yogi's, Yogi's calling in, so we'll just get this. We might actually go to a song because we're going to get Dave here too, so... Um, oh, it's getting very busy here, eh? Anyway, we'll be right yep. back, everybody.
Keep your hands to yourself. back everybody that was a bit of georgia satellites and keep your hands to yourself right how about there you go that's because we're in the boxing ring and we're trying not to punch on i did hear i had a little half hour listening to way there gentlemen and it was uh yeah i thought i'll get where you were going there mark and uh yeah what's interesting times ahead we are going to get a few interesting times uh, just quickly, mate, we need to acknowledge Renko for sponsoring the show. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Any, any problem, they have a transport solution. Right. Anyway, we've got, we've got Dave Murphy with us. Oh, what? Gee, sorry. Yeah, you keep going, Mike. It's all right. No, no, shut <laughs> up. You take over, dude. I'll just sit here and be quiet for nah, a minute. No, we're all good. You, you, introduce, you introduce Dave. Well, I've, I've had lots of chats with Dave Murphy. Now, for the guys that don't know Dave Murphy, he's done a shitload of stuff within the industry. I'll let him tell you about that shortly. But, you know, you will have seen trucks he's been involved with getting up and down the highway every night of the week. 
He's got a couple of really special trucks and trailers running up and down now. We see a lot of innovation in the transport industry. We very rarely see some individual go out and put his money where his mouth is and basically make something work. He's got a contract going called the Euro Euro Pantech, and it's one of the most impressive things I've seen, and I want to know much, much more about it. Dave Murphy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me, everybody. Good to be here. <laughs> Mate, uh, I, I think, Dave, I think that the listeners you, you are, you're a young bloke, Dave. <laughs> you know, there's, uh, there's some... <laughs> you're a good-looking young bloke. We understand that, mate. So, yeah, so it's great that you've got uh, initiative and, and the foresight to really push the boundaries here and get some interviews and things going on in the transport industry, mate. So that's great to hear. I saw the, uh, I saw the latest... That's... Sorry, Sorry Dave, I, I think I'm getting closer to that stage where you think you've forgotten more than um, some people know and you get older and crankier and a bit uh, less tolerant of the whole of the whole shabu, you know? So a little more cynical sometimes, Dave. Very. Yeah, <laughs> very. I'm not scared to call someone out, you know. I had a guy the other day tried to tell me that his eight-wheeler rigid agitator was has 470,000 k's on the steer tyres before he had to take them off and never been balanced, never been wheel aligned. And I said, put the next set on and I said, I'll weld, I'll, I'll weld the uh, wheel nuts on and see how long you go. <laughs> 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 uh, I next to a truck salesman when I said it and, he, and, and I think he wanted to say it but he had to bite his tongue. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of be a lot of gays, a lot of gays. Oh, craziness, craziness, mate. You know, like, yeah, getting around town's much better on steer tyres. You tried to tell me, you know, and oh, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, right, uh, I, I, I've got line all mates that run straight lines. You know, maybe west weekly, and and they can get some good k's out of their tyres. But I don't have any agey mates that can do that turning, twisting, backing, <laughs> concrete bitumen, concrete plant, rock. You know, swinging into a side, backing out of a side, backing up a hill, backing down a hill, and no, trying to get those, yeah. <laughs> those gold. They're those gold-plated Japanese tyres. That's what they are, mate. Oh, gold-plated. What's um, what tyres do you like at that stage? Or do you do you have a specific kind of interest in tyres? Is there something that's in your you know your sort of your, your way of thinking? Oh, I've had a a love-hate relationship with those black donuts. You know, they're all black and they wear out. Yeah, um, and probably the the most significant insight into tyres that I've got is it's one tenth of the cost of fuel. So anyone who takes a, a great interest in rotating and looking after their tyres uh, and not looking after their fuel is doing themselves a disservice by by a tenfold, if I can say that. If you can if you can understand yep. what I'm saying there, so. My, you know, I could. I was quite happy to get the cheapest Chinese tyres I could, run clean skins, uh, and get the best fuel economy out of those tyres that I could, not the best mileage out of the tyres. Mm. And I'm probably one who's done a lot more analysis on this. Um, I'm friendly with a guy who does some huge numbers. I mean, huge numbers in in ton mile efficiency and straight 
uh, fuel efficiency in the states um joel morrow his name is and it, it, we've had a great interest in in super single tires um dual tires and tire pressures and the and the types of you know low resistance tires and these sorts of things and it's really interesting how tires are affected by uh, depending on your application uh, it comes down to where wind uh, and aero efficiency is is one of your main points so that's wind affects uh, trucks in the us a lot more than it does here we have a we have a bigger concern with rolling resistance which is weight on tires so it's sort of you, know, you come with a different aspect but you know we we over pressurize a lot of tires um and we end up having because we run uh huge weights and rigid trucks and rigid when i say rigid i mean uh, as in the suspension systems are rigid they're not um you know uh they're they're all how can i say it not like a walking bean system where where you have a, uh, a differential that then has an arm that comes off that differential and is independent uh, suspension. Yep. So it's all rigid, it's all fixed. And the curvature of the roads, um, we are much more affected in wheel skip in that scenario. And everyone out there had gone around the corner and tried to floor it and just realised, well, that's useless because I'm, I'm just spinning the wheels, you know. And so yeah, yeah. you have to sort of take off a bit slower around corners, especially with these, you know, guys Guys can't change gears around corners with some of these multi-combinations because they come to a grinding halt. Let's start again. So mm. Yeah, you're all right. back, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Have they, so um, have they opened up PBS, more PBS tyres for you, Doug? Or is it something that's still a issue? we have we can have any tire we like more or less but we have to okay. uh, send a photo in of the rating of the tire mm. that's on the sidewall of the tire and then that more or less says yeah that's okay yeah. you know so that, that then okay. gets oh, right. there was yep. there's always been a little bit of a um i don't know miscommunication about a pbs tire so you you don't buy a pbs tire you buy a tire that's been Approved, approved for your PBS combination. It's a bit, yeah. yeah, it's a bit funny on that. And some tyres actually don't meet the standard, that's correct, but you, you don't actually buy a tyre that's PBS approved. And, and yeah. at least so now. A bit more insight into that and the reason why this is, is under PBS there's about nine hurdles you have to jump through when you get a design approval passed. And the mathematics involved with some of those nine steps um, require not require but are affected by different tyres within the combination so um, I first hand found this out and cost me a hell of a lot of money in analysis and 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 doing oh, you know, eventually working out we've done the wrong thing um, and that comes in by by uh, one guy doing the mathematics on on um, turning around a 90 degree turn say and one doing another equation for great ability or lane departure and they use the best tires that they know to get the best results for that mathematics that they need to do for that component of the pbs now you get all that and you, and you go that's great that works that works that works that works 
but unfortunately when you go to put it all together because uh, you can't have different tyres for every component when you're going down the road, uh, that can fail dismally. So um, you need to do that math, the mathematics with those tyres. So you, then you need to know what tyres you've got in that combination so that you know that that combination will work in those different scenarios within your PVS. Sounds complicated, yes, right, but it's it's a sort of a fail-safe, which sort of means once you do the analysis and once you know what you can do, it, it's all well and good. In our scenario, when we found out we'd made a mistake, we had to we had to move kingpin and then change S dimensions, and it that first truck it lessened the ability for that truck to uh, carry weight as efficiently as the next ones. Um, which sounds funny, but it just means it just means it goes uh, that truck goes a bit lighter uh, on the steer than what the others do. So, um, good to so know. how many have you so, got running up and down now, Dave? Four. Yeah, I thought it was four. I saw your green one there just before, mate, going north. So yeah, um, yep. it's a pretty pretty good looking bit of gear. That now, um, I wanted to know why. You chose a twin steer to do it. I mean, I saw the other ERH trucks, and you see a lot of uh, quad bridge vans around these days. You're seeing quad quad B doubles around these days. Um, your system now is you've got that quad trailer with a 32 pallet capacity, I believe, and uh, your bogey drive twin steer 610 at the front. Why did you specify that price mover? There are a few twin steer choices around. Um, why did you go for a twin steer first of all, and then why did you specify the 610? So when I first did the analysis, um, we had... Uh, like I designed that um, 28 pallet quad trailer and truck combination, and that, that took a big effort, and, and I'd like to recognise Les Brugia from the... Uh, NHVR and P, you know, the PVS module of that for uh, his openness to understand the benefits of that combination and what it was going to take to get done and then also um, Mike, Mike Dozier from Kenworth Trucks who was the managing director at Kenworth that truck made it, it could do also also Marcus Coleman from Tiger Spider, who did a, an, an enormous amount of evaluation of that combination so that we could actually get a combination that we could work. And in the end, that combination worked by about nine millimetres and we had to remove or change the air cleaner system on the back of the cab and we had to remove the door system off the back of the cab. So once we had that up and running and, and saw how successful it was, I then established that I could build a longer trailer. Uh, so I, I more or less looked at where we were predominantly running and it was on the B-double routes. I had done the financial and commercial analysis of that 28 paladar. And if you were more or less running a shuttle service with B-doubles and loading you know, at depots and that sort of thing, the, the financial the financial return didn't outweigh enough to change over, um, and changing over a whole fleet, yeah, you know, that's a big that's a big deal, you know. 
Yep, so yep. I then I then thought, okay. So I then looked at the Type Two Road Network, which is the essentially the B Double Road Network under PBS, and you know went in to configure a 32 pallet trailer. And I sort of thought, what do I need to make this 28 pallet trailer better? And it was I wanted industry standard, so I wanted a big cab cab over, which was essentially what you know everyone was using within. B-double refrigerated um, fleets at that time. Yep. So I thought, all right, I'll have a big cab. I'll have a, I think at that time it was a preset and fridge unit, which is the biggest fridge unit we could get, and a couple of other things, you know. And I then started to do the analysis. I had an argument how I thought that we were getting robbed in the quad because we couldn't have a, what, what essentially now is, called a by tandem on yep. a single trailer so i went into bat with well marcus told me it was the law and and i couldn't do it and i said show me the law and i said explain yep. to me like a nine-year-old because i'm not that smart why i can't do it so i can do it and he couldn't do it and so he went to the regulator and said can you tell murph why i can't do this because he's annoying me and they couldn't so yep. i then thought that we would have to put a a like a quad dog we would have to put a dolly under the trailer um at the front was the first idea per se yeah um, and i looked around everywhere europe had uh, some similar wild looking things highly engineered crazy and they'd probably wear out and, and cost you the world before you'd actually get an economic return on it um yep. i then I then got a understanding from from the NHVR that I could actually have to to like there wasn't a law that could, didn't that didn't that said I couldn't have two axle groups on the one trailer. So yep. we went down that line, and then I did the analysis to have that uh, by tandem on a trailer with a big cab cab over on the front, single steer at this stage. Yep. And then uh, that more or less fell onto Les's desk and he had to he had to do his bit to, to approve that design. And when he when he said, Dave, this works, what what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> I went, um, I'm gonna do some more analysis. And this is like a lot, a lot of manufacturers and a lot of people in the industry don't take the time and effort and money to go and do that extra mile of analysis. So once I did that, I established that the combination didn't work. Um, and when I say didn't work, um, the I, I did I, I knew this analysis from the original quad trailer. So we put a, a, a forward steer on that trailer. So when you're looking at yep. your S dimensions the steerable axle more or less isn't included even though it affects the turning and ability of the trailer it's not included in the s dimension so if uh of other manufacturers put rear steers on the quad that means that the the whole whole quad group axle group had to move back and in moving back and put weight onto the forward uh, onto the truck so I knew this. Yep. I knew this happened, right? And and 
Terry Thurwood actually bought a trailer off a you know, leading trailer manufacturer and rang me and abused me because he said it's no good, Merv, it don't work. I can only get about 27 or 28 pallets on this thing before I go heavy on the drive. So yep. knowing this, this was the first thing I looked at with this new combination and it failed. It just it was hopeless. I could put about the same. I reckon I'd get a, I could get about 28 pallets on it and I couldn't load the front. So yep. this is like, what are we going to do about this? And then it was a case of try drive and... You know, the engineering and the work to get a tri-drive to work was... I, I was worried about a tri-drive and where I needed to put it. You know, I've seen plenty of these tri-drives break in half over in the mines. And yep. I just thought, you know, having that twisting around the market somewhere, I just didn't think the durability was going to be very good. And then whether we had a front lift axle, a front steer axle, a rear one... Um, I then just looked at the, the the ability to have a twin steer and what that did for the combination and what it, what we lost and things like that. Yep. It, it turned out to be the most economically viable, most advantageous, most recognisable, you know, easy-to-do combination. And it was actually in a, a big cab to start with and... The problem with the big cab was in a twin steer scenario was that it hadn't been done. So I went through a lot of work with Phil Webb, who was a head engineer at Kenworth, to actually make that work. And it was a lot of me coming up with ideas and Phil telling them that it can't work. But essentially we had a there's a, a, a steer tyre that the... the um, car guys use, which lowers the height, um, and we could put that. So the problem, the problem that we ultimately had was that the rear steer on the big cab fouled on the cab. Yeah. So we needed a certain amount of clearance, and we couldn't get that clearance with the cab where it was. So you know they weren't going to spend all the money to fix the cab. So um, that didn't happen. So we put smaller wheels on it. Now smaller wheels were recognised and used quite a bit in New Zealand. So they actually yep. built the first one and sent it to New Zealand. So I, I, I wanted to be the first one with it, but um, I couldn't get I, I couldn't get a trailer made. So I was you know, going into the trailer side of it to do that myself. And in the meantime, Kenworth wanted to do that. So they did that, built it and sent it over to New Zealand. And that cab over... Um, my problem that I had, in, you know, we ran into a heap of problems with it and I ran into the problem of not being able to, to locate the exhaust system. So I couldn't yep. have the exhaust on the back of the cab. I lost half a metre. That half a metre then got me thinking that, hey, maybe I could have a T610. So I think it was about, you know, it was probably 10 o'clock on a Friday night and I had Danny O'Hara out under the... Um, under the front axle of a T610, measuring the radius on the on the T610 to see whether it fell in line with what I had designed on the cab over, and it did. So we essentially, and and to me at that stage, you know, blokes, because the trailer's so big, it looks like the cab's small, but the, the cab at the time was the biggest I could get, and it's huge. Yep. It's, it's yep. you know, it's the first truck I've had there where you can stand up and pull your pants on. I can pull a hoodie up over my head. You know, I'm six foot five and 
120 kilos. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't. We don't stop these things. You know, we stop. We go to sleep. We get up. We go. We spend all the time in the seat. So, you know, any, anyone who's driven a 610 really goes wow. Like the air conditioner works. The, the noise levels yeah. low. The phone works. It, everything about it's really good. You know. So, I think I and thought they're pretty slippery was, as well, too, aren't they, Dave? Yeah, much, yes. And the actual aero package in the way of um, cooling was better. So, you know, I spoke to everyone, Cummins, eating the whole bit about, you know, the best cases for it. Um, you know, do we put a red dot on the roof? Do we do this? Do we do that? Do we, you know? And essentially, essentially, um, Chuck Fowler from Cummins said, Dave, don't do none of that, mate. He said, this 610, he said, the cooling package in it, is that good? The fan will never come on, and it doesn't. The fan never comes on. It's just it runs so cold it'll come on the top of airplane and a few of those bigger pulls, and then and then you know cuts out. So yeah, all those recommendations were great. So that's how you know it was because of that analysis because it went heavy over the drive that the twin steer came about, and you know it was it was two steps forward, one back for a long time. On everything and the you know, doing the analysis on everything to get the combination to more or less where it is now, and yeah, it's terrific. Like, so you're you know, you're getting 30, 33 pallets, yeah, on this combination, and you're allowed a gross weight of what with the two quads. So under 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 CML HML tier three bridge assessment, it's allowed sixty two tons. So it can be seventeen, 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 and eleven. Yeah. And the latest one, they all tear about twenty four ton, twenty four and twenty four and a and a and a and a bit. You know, depending full of fuel, like top, you know, full of fuel, full of gear, full of everything, bars, the whole bit. They go about twenty four. 300 so uh, they range between 300 and 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 524 ton the latest one full of fuel um <clears throat> went 23 oh goodness me i i, I reckon it went 23 500 so with all your gear and stuff like that new in it it might go 23 6 <clears throat> 23 seven, say you know give or take yeah so you can more or less get 38. We, we can't overload it, you know. Like, yeah. we put, we put, um, um, you know, bins of fruit, you know, bulk bins, and some of those are, you know, 1,200 kilos. And we can load off the front wall. We can, and that's the beauty of the twin steer. You don't have, you'd like, we can put more pallet spaces. There's, there's B doubles that load, you know, in, in the same spot, and they can put 31 on. And we can put 33 yep. on, and we go through Marul and every night, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and the fuel, and you know, I just came back. I just left Sydney this morning, got back to Melbourne, and I was at uh, about 25.8 liters per hundred, <laughs> which is so not far off four yeah. k's per liter. And then I just came out to Ballarat, and it's a bit of a hike up here, and it ended up at about 26 and a half. So they're yeah. they're actually mind blowing figures for yeah. thirty three pallets. Yeah, yeah, they are. that's good. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. I, I remember so Dave... fully 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 loaded. It does between 
depending on, you know, like I'll, I'll talk about the fruit because, you know, sometimes you've got trays on and sometimes you've got bulk fruit on and it ranges and wind uh, wind and rain affected heavily and this truck's now allowed me to, to work out this analysis and do so much to understand, um, you know, the, the benefits of aero and the benefits of, of you know, tyres on the road. But uh, fully loaded without rain, it does between uh, 41 and 42 loaded. Mm. And going back, it gets, you know, you can get it down... Um, on that one trip, that round trip, it gets down to about 28, 28, 29 mm. on the way back. But at, at, the, at the worst, you're still doing, you know, terms like, you know, you, you, your two Ks to the leader doing better than that as a fully loaded B double would get nowhere near. No, well, well the, that first that first original truck's done 800,000 and we did some maintenance, you know, half-life stuff to it. And um, last year we'd done a lot more uh, work where we were loaded both ways. So the 650,000 had done 39.8, I think it was, per per litres per 100. Mm-hmm. And then this last year it sort of jumped up, and uh, I think it's at about 40.3 on the Cummins, you know, Cummins computer, yeah. which is... Yeah. You know, 2.49 or something like that yeah. you know yeah it's pretty impressive when you consider the, the 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 amount of weight that you've got in the combination payload uh yeah. that's pretty impressive no, i'd have been I'd happy see. to get something a little bit less than that out of a v-double so no one like no one believes that i left i left sydney under half a tank of fuel and everyone tells me it's got yeah. no fuel on it and I was going to say there aren't a lot of tanks there, mate. You've got a lot of fuel, are you? Don't need it. No, I don't reckon I used 200 litres to come home, you know. They look they look good going down the road, though. They look, look a million bucks going down there. What do they like to back? Do they get on the dock? Or, you know, is there any, anything? It's a, it's a big, <laughs> it's a big single. We can, we can, we can load and unload an hour quicker than a B double can. Yeah, that's because yep. you're not splitting and mucking around. Yeah, no. no. So now, I've the been other to question, places. Sorry, go on. You've been to places. Sorry, go on. Yeah. So we, we go to a certain place where we load all the time, and and another guy came in and said, "Oh, that's no good. That's this. That's the other. Yeah, right." But and he had a B double, and he he had put his. So he had he had was yeah, backing his B double onto the dock. Um, I drove in and backed mine on. He then had to wind his legs down. He then had to you know put his A trailer, roll it back, put it on the dock. Blah blah blah. Right. He, he'd done all he'd done all that, and I had about I think about six or eight pallets to get off. You know. So he came in and then started proceeding to tell me how this thing was no good. You know. So I took the rest of my pallets off, and then he's standing at the back of his A trailer, and because um, it was so tight to the back, you had to lift the first couple off before he could, um, you know, put the lip up. And I and and I took them off for him, you know. He said, "Oh, mate," he said, "You can unload it." I said, "No," I said, "I just feel sorry for you, mate." I said, "I said this thing's no good," but I said, "I'm going to be in bed an hour." 
right, before you even get out of here, mate. He looked at me, you know, and he couldn't tell him. He says, what do you mean? I said, well, walk up there and have a look. I said, I'm empty. We got here at the same time. I said, I've got to pull forward, shut me doors, and see you later. I said, you've got 30, <laughs> 30 pallets to take off, and then you've got to put it all back together. And I said, then you've got to go and go to bed. I said, mate, I'm that far in front of you. It's not funny. And I said, we got here at the same time. And that's right. the difference, you know. We, we yeah. just takes, often takes us longer. So we've we've... We've unloaded this thing in 16 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's really quite incredible. The, the question that I've got for you is one that I've had just texted to me. Um, uh, what's the temperature reg- regulation like across the trailer? So the fridge panel I've got, um, there is a bit of short cycling, so I've changed. I've put, I've, you know, I've put shoots in it, predominantly for the first few years of its life we're just carting cheese at 10 degrees so it didn't matter but um it it has needed a shoot on critical stuff especially when you've got it on bars and all that sort of thing the latest ones i've actually incorporated a a channel into the roof with a fan unit so it actually sucks air to the back doors and then releases it my my wall um, this is the best thing. So the, the panel I use is essentially made under hot press, which no one in Australia makes, and it allows the curing of the panel to be better. So it's meant to be 20% stronger, 20% lighter, and 20% better thermally. Mm. But the important thing is I've got a 50 mil wall and 48 mil of it is insulation, where probably the leading panel in Australia the wall thickness of the insulation is 30, 32. Yeah, so right. So it's, mm. it's just I've incorporated all the wall furniture in the wall. So, and, and you know, we don't have an, an, a big aluminium outside cap and rivets on the outside. So we've been able to incorporate all that into the wall and that's the European design. And I looked at a Chirot... So I use I use a Unitrans panel, um, which have been around for ever, and they're mm. a you know, full fiberglass made panel. Um, I looked at Chirot firstly when I when I you know, first started looking because I think they're probably one of the best panels um, or best you know, vans made in the world, and they couldn't they couldn't do what I wanted to do. They did actually have a subsidiary which is a Spanish company. Um, uh, SOR, which uh, which could do what I wanted to do, but they wanted to make the complete van and then ship it. Now, yeah, that's that all sounds well and good, but you've got two problems. You've got how do I get it? How do I get it from where they are to the wharf to get it on to get it? You know, then put on a on a roll on roll off ship to get to Australia, and the cost of it. You've got to understand yep. that it's it's sixty. You know, it was going to be sixty-six or seven feet long. <laughs> so, the the you're sort of paying you're paying sort of two spots, and then they yeah. how do they pick it up? How do they, you know, how do they move it? How do they get it in position? And that was you know the quotes that I had just made it impossible to do. So yeah, yeah. Then came yeah. Down, to, down to a way of how we're going to build this here and and do it here. So that's the way I went. 
So the third now, week, how the, sorry, go on. I've got, to, I've got a million questions, Dave. It's just so much. Yeah. <laughs> now that's the, we, we've now we've now got a A five hundred, which is you know, a thermo number one unit, yep. and we're seeing we're seeing a one point six, one point seven. Um, for the you know for a a seven hour trip of of fruit that's less one point seven liters per hour yeah and look that's the first one we've got so I don't know one of you hopefully someone texts you Mike who actually has one the same and is able to tell us how that compares the worst I've seen it is when it's been pulling hot fruit down and it's been at two liters per yeah. hour. You know, but I've been you know, getting the boys to periodically check it, and and it's been, you know, it tells you it tells you what it is now, what the previous trip was, you know, and it's between 1.6, 1.7, and I've sent that to the, you know, the Thermo King guys, and um, Jason Smith and Wayne Taylor, and, and they they just they're wrapped in that. They think, mate, how good is it? You know, so, so yeah, I, no, I you'd, have, you'd have to be pretty happy, I think. I. You've got the proof of concept there, I think. You've got a pretty exciting piece of engineering. What are the other trailer manufacturers in Australia saying to you, mate? Have they actually been brave enough to say anything to you? Uh, I, I think they've all been waiting to see if it falls on its face, you know. There, yep. has, been, there has been, you know, one or two guys, you know, copy the idea, which is, which is you know... Good to see, you know. Um, I don't think people believe you. If I, if I told you what it does, like I've just told you exactly what it does, and you know, I can give you any amount of numbers of guys who are running in that truck up and down, and and they do, and it does it every day, you know. Um, yeah. It, it is phenomenal in that respect. There's, you know, seriously, there's more money owning four of these. You know, if you had a small fleet and you had and you had ten V doubles. You'd make more yeah. money out of three or four of these than you make out of ten V doubles, hands down. Yeah, right, right. And that's and I and everyone sort of says it's made for our new Australians to drive, and it's an automatic, and it's this, and it's that, and it's made for the big companies. I did none of that for the big companies. I made it for the owner driver. I feel sorry. I don't understand how there's blokes running up and down with twenty-two pallet vans. And old trucks, even though some of them are great, some of them are old 900s or old SAR or something done up. <laughs> they go all right, Dave. They go all right. They go all right. They look <laughs> good. The old 900 yeah. folks are long. He's all right, mate. mate. He's all right. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. like, but you, someone, if someone, someone asked some me what the difference was. At some point, we've got to be in the business. So at some point, we've got to be in the business of saving fuel. <laughs> yeah. So, so a guy asked me, he said, what's the difference, mate, between that and this? He said, what's the difference? I said, listen... I said, at the end of the year, I'll take my family around the world and you'll take yours to the Gold Coast. I said, I'll buy a new Harley and a four-wheel drive. And I said, and you'll buy a scooter and an old Falcon. <laughs> oh, every, every year. Every year. Yeah. Right? No, you can buy a new Harley every six months. I... Uh... I'm not that into Harley, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear, oh dear. You know, I, it, it is a very, very impressive piece of machinery, and I, uh, 
I actually can't wait to get up close and personal with one. Um, yeah. Any uh, more questions? I've got a couple of more things I want to outline. Have you guys... Um, I want to talk about the safety of it and the fatigue mm. and all that sort of stuff that... Yeah, sort of. You know, yeah. Well, let's go, mate. I mean, I, I, we're going to go a little bit long. That's okay. You're right with that, are you, Craig? Yeah, keep going. I'm very interested in this. Well, yeah, so it's, it's a very, very, very interesting thing. The, the, the thing that I doubt, the other question I've got for you. Yep. Uh, you're talking about the twin steer. I get why you did it. The safety of having a twin steer is probably one of the things that attracts me to the twin steer. Although they're not that popular over here on the east coast, we. We're not really encouraged to have them over here like they are in New Zealand, like they are in Western Australia. And having blown a steer tyre on a cruise at 100 kilometres an hour, I can attest to the idea it's not a lot of fun. In fact, uh, I can attest to the fact that the, the colour of adrenaline is brown. And, um, you know, the, the, <laughs> how are you going with the, the steer setup? And, and we're talking about tyre wear there before. Do you run balance rings or anything like that on them? Or, you know, I'm not, I'm in a bit of a plug here, but do you, do you run any of that stuff? Yeah, I do. On the first one, I, I put all that on. I've actually yep. just ordered um, sets. They're here today. They've just turned up today for the rest. And I, I you know, the, the, the next two I bought are 12 months old now. So I sort of did that so I could see the difference. Yep. Now the the best thing about this truck is it brings out it brings it's it's boring it's dull to drive per se, right? It doesn't it, you know you're not driving it in the mirrors the trailer's back there it it, it just goes where you want it to go it, you know very direct you don't have to overcorrect you don't have to chase yourself it's just brilliant in that regard but it brings out every you can feel everything through your arseometer. And you can feel every little bump. You can feel every little thing about it. So we've done a lot of work, and I know there's a couple of guys who have had twin steers and they can't sit in them. So yep. I've done a lot of work in this to work out why, what, what's wrong, what's the issue. And some of the traditional ideas that you've had for 50 years, right, and you've grown up with and you know and that's just what you do, you've got to throw them the window, you know? So we've been fortunate enough to understand what makes this, especially at Kenworth, you know, I'm going to do a Volvo and see what the difference is. But this yeah. Kenworth, we've been fortunate enough to realise and work out what makes it rough and what fixes it. And, you know, I've had guys jump in the truck and go, oh, I've, I've, I've fixed the tyres. I said, oh, you fixed the tyres. What did you do? Oh, you know, I put them at this pressure. I said, did you? Okay, that's interesting. You shouldn't do that. Oh, why not? <laughs> I said, because that's not... I said, you drive yeah. like that for a while. So there you go. You know, and they come yeah. out rattling, you know, and they go, oh, mate, this is no good, this thing. So there's been two major things that we've gone to correct. And um, and a third, you might say, I'll tell you, I'll tell you in another six months once we put these balance rings on, but you can feel the balance of those four steer tyres and maybe the drive, but the... the you know, I've got a I've got a, a set of drives on there that have done uh, two hundred something thousand k's, and they've easily got another hundred and fifty in them. I reckon, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, drive tyres are good in in that way. Uh, steer tyres have, you know, getting the alignment done properly, you know, has been has been a concern. But 
that's always a concern. I'm big on trying to get you know, the alignment sorted on them and the trailers all the time, and it makes a big difference. So, um, yeah. yeah, just those sorts of things. Yeah, you know, tire pressures, um, and then and then actual airbag pressures and equalisation, and those sorts of things comes in and auto greases. Auto greases is probably one of the biggest things in in the twin steer in making it ride well. Yeah, yeah right. Crazy. Yeah, there, you go. Yeah. there must be a hydrolysis that goes on the kingpins and just takes that. They just move. They just move so much better. That they don't kick. They don't bump. Um, yeah. And it's a totally different truck once you hit that button. You know, you hit the button a couple of times to manually grease it, and you go, oh, that was you know so those sorts of things yeah. so it's been yeah. terrific like um other fatigue issues we never unhook it we never we, we actually unhook them just for the just unhook that trailer we oh okay you know just to say we can do it you know i bought aluminium turntable saf holland told me that it'll last 500 k's you know and i went oh yeah i want the weight saving i'll i'll have a test at this and we put a kit at about seven hundred thousand in 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 the first one, and you you wash it up and it looks brand new. Yeah, right. Aluminium, an aluminium turntable. Aluminium, and they told us that the shunting would be no good. You know, unhooking and hooking up, shunt, the shunting in it would would yeah. fatigue it, and it'd become an issue. And uh, because we are constantly connected and hooked up. We just have not had the issue. We just have have not had. It's been, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, they've been they've been really good. So I've I continued to put them on the rest, which I reckon I'm probably the only bloke in Australia who does. Mm. For that, yeah. Well, it's not something you see commonly, is it? I'll no, I can't isn't. say I've ever seen an aluminium turntable. No, they're Seth Holland. They're brilliant. Uh, Shane Pendergast um, is a Wabco technician. Has he been on your show? No, I'd love to have him. I really would. <laughs> yeah, and you will. Now Shane's brilliant in the fact that I I don't buy my uh, my braking systems off Shane. Right? right. So he's got no vested interest in the success or demise of what I do. He yep. came to me over uh, LinkedIn as an interested party, not unlike you yourselves, and said. Yep. Hey, listen, yep. what are you doing here? I want to have a look. Tell me about it. How, how have they done this? How have you done that? What have you done here? And, and he's been interested to see how the you know the EBS works and all that, and has you know, had, had a real good look at it and um, the the breaking between truck and trailer. So I'm a big advocate. When I built this thing, mate, I, I, you could have a load proportioning valve on, you know, so that those standards are now changed. Thank goodness, and they. As a minimum standard, they they need to change in our industry. So, um, I've got I've got a uh, uh, interlock on my trailers. So without EBS, the trailer won't move. Um, yep. I did that because on the first quads, I had blokes think you know, because they they know stuff that if they pulled the ABS cable out, that the axle went down on the lift axle and it'd ride better. And uh, uh-huh. Oh, no. oh. And, I, and I'm like, oh yeah, right, really? 
So, you know, the data I'm getting is all bullshit and how am I meant to make an, you know, an informed decision if I'm not getting the right data? So I put that on these, all these trailers have that, you know, so they, they can't move um, without it. And that's allowed the EBS to get and gather a lot of data. And the best thing about those Webco systems, or and, and all BREMS and all of them are probably very similar, is their ability to gather information. So <coughs> Shane took... Shane couldn't believe, he could not believe the information that this van had given and he wanted to know how I was driving it. And I said, I drive it like a race car. I said, I hook it into turns. I said, I, 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 I drive it as hard as it can actually drive, physically drive. <laughs> and I said, I can tell you there's, there's one spot that I've had um, so there's two stages in the in the in the weapon, probably three stages. There's an ABBS intervention, and then there's a what they call an RSS stage one intervention, and that's yeah, where yeah, the, yeah. The, the brakes the brakes do a test, and then yep. there's an actual deceleration, which is a stage two. Right? Yeah. So I'm not I, the tanker, had, I don't know exactly what happened. That's it. So and you, this will interest you, Mike, really, really in a minute. What I'm about to tell you, but. He did the comparison of of you know the way the industry is going with the multi combinations and the way they're working and the ability of the EBS to work on those on those combinations and how it's going to affect our industry and the actual data that's coming from those braking systems from all those different combinations and he's he's documented this for a presentation that he did to some of the road the the road managers i think it was for um to sort of show that you know and i agree and and I, and i say this with with <laughs> because i designed it and how good this thing is so he was flabbergasted at how and he did a full download on it and then yeah, did some analysis of it and essentially in uh, yeah, uh, it was at that stage it was on about four hundred and fifty thousand k's. We had one, one instance where the truck had put itself in a stage two position, and I sort of said, "Well, what does that mean?" And he said, "Well, essentially, what that means is he said the, 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 one of the wheels is off the ground, you know." Yep. And he said that he's had so. In a, in a one in 10,000 scenario, so a unit of count, the difference between uh, my, my, so my truck, uh, under the, you know, the, he, he grabbed a proportion of kilometres to analyse on di these different units, and mine was at uh, 0.02 instances per 10,000 kilometres, 0.02. Yeah. Yeah. And the tanker road train type a, you know, a a double was at 2.14 hmm. yeah so for me to get to 2.14 i've got to do over a million kilometers so the instances that are that are, a road train is doing every 10,000 k's i'm doing every million kilometers yeah mm. so it's, uh, that that's pretty good too so is that a, is that a testament to how stable the thing is on the road, or just how yeah, how low yes. the yeah, one hundred percent how it how it does not how it does not whip, how it does not yep. deviate, how it 
it just sucks itself to the road and sits there. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Everyone says, oh, what's it like to drive? And be honest with you, it's bloody... It, it, you say it's different, but it's boring because it, it, you know, it's not like... Oh, I like you know, boring when I'm driving. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's just well, it's boring. Yeah, boring, boring suits me. Well, I suppose <laughs> as, a, as an owner, Dave, you can, you, you can sort of sleep well at night if trucks are out and about. You don't have that issue of maybe... You know, we, we, we looked at a job here in the West and it was every night at 10 o'clock someone was hooking up a road chain and I'm, that put me off actually putting the tender for the job. I don't, yeah. I don't want to be in that, but I wouldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. Yeah. The you know? two benefits so I've got it. with this combination is the sheer fact that that we have 100% eliminated the ability to drop a trailer in someone's yard. does not happen. Yeah. Yeah. No? yeah. So that's that's one of the biggest concerns. You go into anyone's facility, and that's one of the you know the biggest things they've got. I've got I haven't got wind down legs on any of these vans. I've got aluminium um, legs, you know that that you pull a pin out of, and they drop down to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like this oh yeah, right. Yeah, the weight there'd be weight saving in that. Yeah, weight saving in that too. Yeah. There, there would be, but I mean, if you're not never unhooking them, why do you need landing gear? I mean, that's it. Or, or you need something to stand it on if you have done hooker for occasionally. So, yeah. So all those things, you know. So the the ability not to have blokes you know, hooking up and unhooking in all hours of the night, and that you know the fatigue issues that that, that does, winding legs down and and whatever, and then having to get in a truck and you know get going, you know that that you, you could be a UTO driver with this thing. Seriously, you could drop, you could buy a white shirt and drive it with a white yeah. shirt. You know, <laughs> you do like, you just What you have done, I suppose, is you've eliminated the ability to do a changeover with it, though, haven't you? No. No, you can no. do a full. Ba- you could do either a full bag chuck scenario, which I think would be better. So you yeah. just you know, get out, walk yeah. across the road, get in the other truck, and keep driving. Um, yeah. Easy. Put a set of landing legs on it if you want to drop the legs. If you want to wind it down and unhook and do all that muck about, that's that's your predicament, you know. So be it. But mm, you don't I know if I had two two guys that were doing a changeover every night and they're both in the same truck and the trucks were the same, and yeah. and you're essentially only taking a bag and a whatever and your fridge was all right and you pulled your bottle yeah. of water out. They might, you know, grab your towel and your bag and one your hand wash and walk across the road. <laughs> You know? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't have a problem with that. The only, like, as a driver, the only time that'd be an issue is if one bloke smoked and one bloke didn't, for example, or you know. Yeah. And we we know what some blokes are like. They'll smoke even in a truck, even when they're told not to. Yeah, and you know they might last a trip, but the damage has been done. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of those things. I I can never get over blokes. Who, uh, when I when I owned trucks and was employing drivers, I could never get over blokes who wanted to a tell me how to run my business, and b wouldn't do what I told them to do with the trucks, and c would change things on trucks without asking and without saying anything. Yeah, that used to really crumb my cookies. That did. In fact, it was yeah. the quickest way to get fired if you were working for me. Yeah. So, mm. you know, so I, I sympathise with you when you say, oh, yeah. Oh, I've changed all the air pressures so much. Thanks very much. Why did you do that? Yeah. You know? so I've got a bit of data here that I can share with you that Shane's given me that um, 
I think you'd really benefit to have him on it and, and get him doing over to, to, to do. He's actually on his way, I think, over to the States to represent the ATA. Um, okay. And I'm, I, I, he sort of you know, said in passing to me that he was going to mention you know, the PBS and what it's brought to our industry here in Australia and what it means and the benefits of it, um, which is great. But I, I think his knowledge here... Is far, you know, I'm looking at his numbers, and, I, and I, I'm looking at them totally different. You know, I've got 450,000 Ks, and I've had one incident at Type Two, and I've had nine at Type One. You know, mm. and then and then I, I I take that same same information, and I'm to, you know, to have a look and, and see what the, the the difference is with a different combination. And I I think I had a I had a um, Here's a two-axle semi. So this is a 19-metre uh, B-double. Same thing. And this is over... So on uh, 565,000 Ks. So where I had one and nine, right? Mm. So where I had one, they had 30. And where I had right. nine, stage one, it had 215. <laughs> so wow. Same amount of wheels. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that too, same yeah. wheel. So, and then a, a three-axle tanker doing the same thing, and it's over, uh, admittedly over a million Ks, right? So it's probably not too bad, but it had 1,486 Type 2 and 214 Type 1 scenarios. So on half, that's still... You know, where, where the 19-metre B-double essentially had 30 stage 2 over half a million, this thing's had over over 200,000 for the... over Sorry, over a million. So you cut that number in half, where it's had 214. It's essentially had 107. So it's more had... You know, it's had three and a half times more as a as an A-double compared to a 19-metre a B-double. So if you're in the tanker scenario, they're thinking, oh, what should I do? What's going to be better for my, you know, my business per se? I think you'd look at that and go, "Oh shit, I know what I'm going to do." <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So here's well, anyway, a, 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 a last one is a is a which is probably similar to my combination and the fact that wheels on the ground is a is a super dog and it over uh, this is this will get you this over 85,000 eighty five thousand k. Had seventy. Yeah. Yeah. Had seven and and seven hundred in in of, of stage one actuations. So it's yeah. it's mind boggling the fact that you know and, and I don't really know what the uh, where a where a single sits. On this on this scale, and that's probably where I'd like to have uh, you, know, you both should get Shane on to sort of go in a bit more in depth in some of that data that he's gathered that he can uh, he can relate to everybody. Because I, I think as a business owner, you know, owning a business, um, especially small businesses that are you know looking at what to do and you know where they want to go with their business, you know, I know when B doubles came in, they they stood up a lot better, especially in the livestock game. They stood up a lot better than what. Um, than what you know a four decker did, and a four decker stood up a lot better than what a three decker did. So, yeah, yeah, you know, 
Okay. Well, um, yeah. I don't think I can sort of share too much more. I've shown you the efficiency both. With <laughs> no, no, labor. you've done really well. We appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. I, just, any... I just want to know, so just say for the hell of it, I took it in my head this evening to say to you, uh, Dave, I want, one, I want you to build me one and I want to get one of these buddy six ten set up like yours. Yeah. Is it is it possible to do it now? Is it? I mean, yeah. Have you have you yeah you proved that you proved the proved yeah, so the we, thing? We, we we start production this year for outside customers. I've actually I, my problem was essentially so I, I built the last two of the, the the second two trucks and trailers I built so that I could actually uh, sell them. The the idea was the fact that you know what comes first, the chicken or the egg. And to try yep. and order something in the last, you know, blokes have been waiting long enough for an SAR, so they would have been waiting just as long for one of these. So I yeah. just thought the opportunity, you, know, you know, my relationship with Kenworth and um, CMB allowed me to put an order in for a couple of trucks there last, you know, previous to last year and and get them in a time frame that I could put trailers to them and then... Um, get them out there so now you know I, i'm in a position where i can actually offer a truck and a trailer uh to to someone or anybody that that has interest in it you know and i've actually had quite a bit of interest and people sort of want and i'm in two minds whether to sell one or whether to actually just give them to a couple of customers and say here um take them use them and see what you want to do with them but in my honest opinion, if you were driving an A double or a or a, a B double, and you drove this, you you you'd tell everyone it was shit, and you'd just say, "Oh, it's no good, boss. I'll just drive it myself." You know, because <laughs> yeah. you just hang on to it. Yeah, don't tell anyone. You wouldn't want anyone else to yeah, get yeah. in it. You know, so because the ability, yeah. hey, it does it does average case. Like you're talking about wages there before, right? Yeah. Um, yep. And I put blokes, all my blokes, on hourly, you know, because I'm I, I hated that K rate, blokes arguing and getting held over and stuff like that, you know. And so with with an hourly rate, and you look at that thing, I like, like you more and more, Dave. You know, yeah, oh, good on you, you know. But it allow, allows you the flexibility to, you know, blokes get held up or they get held over or they get get um, you know, something goes wrong, I blew a tire and all that sort of stuff. It just allows you a bit extra to be able to pay them for that time without them without them going well losing it but uh this truck's ability like we did one trip and timed it to it, it averaged 92 k's loaded averaged 92 yep. k's an hour from melbourne to brisbane and i i went eight shit at the driver, right saying so, but he went through sydney at night time Right. Yeah. Lives up the other side of Sydney, so he knows you know, when to go, and just happened to you know, timed it right. Jagged and, it. Yeah, jagged it through there, pretty good. And it just doesn't. You you just sit it up on a hundred, and away you go. Just go. Yeah. You know. So yeah. Well, as far as the I, automatic thing concerned, mate, I'm. I reckon I could just about stand an automatic these days. I've shifted enough gears. I don't need to prove anything. And that was my, I, that was I, my I, I was lucky enough to test drive the first Opti Cruise Scania on a on a first uh, essence run, uh, and this would have been oh, easy fifteen years ago. And it was one hundred and eighty liters better off on fuel on an eighteen hundred k round trip. 
back then. Yeah. Automatic. Yeah. Purely automatic. Nothing else. Road train. Yeah. Yeah. Loaded every day. Two vans on. You know, and, and like when I got it, the salesman gave it to me in Perth. And he runs through the whole what to do and what you do. And he, he said, right, I said, what's the go? I said, well, I take it if you're standing and I jump out. And he goes, who's going to explain it all to this bloke? I said, no one. He gets in at one o'clock in the morning. He can hit the key and go to work. So I guess it better be fairly self-explanatory because I'm going to bed. <laughs> I've got to do it all again tomorrow. But, um, but yeah, so just, just purely on the automatic side of it. You know, he's the uh, he's fuel, fuel savings there, uh, fella. Yeah, so the, the benefit of this... Sorry. Go on, Dave. Sorry. You're all right, mate. One thing in ad- adding to that is the um, the ability for the drivers to be able to work on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, they, they, and actually, it's a pleasure all week. You know, you get towards the end of the week and both get tired, cranky, and angry. But this is the first time I've had a truck where you can actually talk to blokes. And yeah. I think the customers that I have have realized the benefit of the truck. Is in that fact that the drivers who get out of it, you know, on a on a Thursday night or a Friday night, whether it be in the market or a coal store somewhere, uh, remarkably not cranky, wild, and angry with the world, <laughs> and can have a decent conversation about no, no, she's right, mate, you know, whatever, yeah, or no, what, and it's and it's that as is for me one of the biggest identifiers of a bloke's fatigue. Is is how he's you know travelling during the week, you know, and so that's part of it. I, I think that's this combination, part of it. yeah, and that's been a big thing. And you know, it was only because I went to a conference there last week and I found out that fatigue's not the biggest killer, and it's actually uh, distractions, you know, with, with our smartphones and other devices that is the biggest concern going forward. I think you know, um, if we're gonna, uh, how we eliminate that, I don't know. But I just know that the fatigue issue with this combination is a lot less than what it is with anything else I've ever had, and I've had, you know, I've had them all. You know, I've had a, a quad, a super dog, a, a super dog of you know, like a, a truck and dog yeah. is the only combination I haven't had, and one of those big quad, quad uh, setups over the west I haven't tried either. Mm. But I've had it. Well, I've had a drive of one of those, mate. There's a lot of truck in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to have a drive of this thing of yours when I get a chance, Dave, and uh, you know, I, I can't wait to have a bit of a turn on it. Thanks for coming on the show, mate. We could talk a lot. Um, we've, we've sort of gone a bit over time to, to get back with you. <laughs> I apologise for the uh, misinterpretation with the, the start time and that sort of thing. That's totally no, on no, me. No. And... Um, Mate, I'd love to have you back. Uh, how much are you going to sell me that green one for, mate? Oh, you got a, you, If you've got a million, you can have it. <laughs> oh, is that all? Is that all? That's all. That's all. Listen, Mike, if you've got a million bucks, you can have it and buy a new Harley every six months. <laughs> that's that's right. well yeah. worth the money. Absolutely yeah, that's well right. worth the money. Yeah. That's right. I reckon I've got something else to do. I've got a magazine to edit. <laughs> Call me well, crazy. We better get it in. We better get it in the magazine. Mm. I reckon you ought to. I reckon you ought to buy it. Yeah, get into it. Oh yeah, yeah no worries. Yep. yep <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Dave. Really appreciate it, mate. And we'd love to get you back down the track. No worries. Right, Thanks for having me. Good to talk about it. Thanks, Good to get right, it out mate. there and you know share a bit of information with everyone. Thank you.
Thanks, Dave. Well, we'll put a few, put a few photos in the magazine, mate. It'll be right. No worries. Thank you. Righto. Good Talk on you ya. soon, Dave. Yes, mate. Righto. There you go, Yogi. You've managed to hang in there. You're at home. I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm at home. Well, we're, we're not we're not tuned back in. I was rolling in the Cape Town. Yeah, so, what an interesting yeah, I mean, guy, though. What an interesting truck. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's just it's it's all in the numbers. It's it's everything yeah. in the numbers. And it, well, it's sort of and going into the market they are in at the moment. If you're not into numbers, don't be in trouble. Yeah. Well, there's a guy that I I talk to from the states quite regularly. Um, he runs a company called Hellbent Express in the States. And uh, he's a devotee of the Mac Anthems and he's a uh, bit of tankers, bit of bit of van work, bit of trailers. And he's all Stop. about the numbers. All about the numbers. Stop that. Yeah. And, and, and I, we've got to be all about the numbers because, let's face it, I mean, I, I truck because I love it. I drive around. I, I enjoy it, as I said. Look out the windscreen, listen to the tunes. Have a great time, get paid to do it, and in the meantime, I managed to move some freight. But if you own the trucks, it's all about the bottom line, and it's all about how you're looking after your drivers. And Dave's looking after his guys. He's paying them by the hour. He's giving them some good equipment to work with. I mean, how many blokes have actually had the living daylight spell it out of them with B-doubles? One of the reasons why I stopped doing bridge bands was because I got the shits at Larapina one day because you'd never expect me to get the shits with anything. No. Pouring rain and I no. split a B double up. Would have shocked uh, everybody. That was a shock to everyone. And I, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I've had a gutful splitting B doubles up because you know you you, you got to back up onto the dock and all that, and, and it just made it would make life a lot better. And uh, you got to applaud Dave for what he's done. It's a brilliant concept, and I, I wish him well with it. I really do. Mm. No, well, he's, so the old the old single might come back to play. Oh, we love the singles, don't we? The big man? single, though. Oh, I don't care. I'm 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 still single, and we might we might come back in here. You never know, eh? Well, they do. I mean, it's got a, a steerable axle, I think, so it's just as manoeuvrable as as any V double. Yep. So you know, if... See, well, those fuel numbers are pretty impressive, though. You just can't get past it. Nah. I have one question left I wanted to ask him, you know, and I didn't get to do it, but I get it, it's going to be getting back so I can ask the question. Buddy, Jamie Hagen, the Hellbent Express guy in the States, is mad keen on these um, wheel covers that sort of smooth down the outside of the wheels and reduce the yeah. reduce the uh, airflow over the wheels. I noticed that um, Dave hasn't got those on his trucks. I wondered if he's tried them or even thought about them. Oh, they have done. Yeah. So, one of them trailers yeah. has got them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wheel covers on the wheels. Yeah, yeah on the drive and the truck. Oh, right, eh? I haven't, I haven't seen it. I may, may, maybe I've been driving around my eyes closed. Yeah. You, you get in that conversation with Dave about tyres and, you know, what what um, changes a tyre can make to your fuel efficiency and the yeah. numbers that he's run on it. I'll tell you what, you're going to have yeah. a three-hour conversation and be just totally blown away with... with the, the level of data that he's gone through um, yeah. with different tyres and can know within one or two trips of putting a different brand of tyre on whether yeah. they're fuel efficient or not. So it is, you know, it's, it's sort of a part we never go down that to work out how how much more fuel efficient a tyre is making 
like is for mm. you. Rather, we look at how much, you know, how many kilometres do you get out of a tyre, which at the yeah. end of the day, when fuel is <laughs> 10 times the cost, you know, yeah. that, yeah, it, and it's amazing. Yeah, so he's, he's done a fantastic job with those, and I think it's, you know, something that we'll see take off more in, in Australia. Yeah, well, it's, it's sort of a... It's sort of a buddy uh, chicken and egg question, isn't it, really? I suppose the guy, I think. Mm. I mean, the, the take-home message for all this, though, is you've got guys out there, if anyone's running a, a, ABS, EBS on their trucks, and these days most trucks are, mm. all this data that your trailer's collecting, you can download that, you can use that, mm. you can use it to educate your drivers, and you can use it to improve your business mm. because you're going to find out what's going on. I had a long, long talk. I've been trying to get Adam Gibson to come on the show. Not that Adam doesn't want to come on the show. It's just that he's got to have some approval from uh, the people that he works for to come on the show. Now, Adam's uh, an engineer. He's designed and built trucks, trailers, and and things like that. And he knows a hell of a lot about all this thing. Anyone that has listened to the podcast knows that Adam works for NTI. He was their risk analysis engineer for a long time. Um I wanted to get him to come on the show, so we're trying to get approval for that to happen at the moment. I was hoping to get him on with Dave because he could just sit back and listen to him talk, and I would be fine. We'd need another show for that. Oh, I, know. But, oh, I know. That's, that's you know, it's Three just an incredible, part. incredible, incredible thing. And uh, you know, the the way the amount of data that we've we've we got, we've got available to us that we don't use, don't know how to use and don't know what to do with it when we've got it, um, it it's incredible. I mean, all the, all the race car drivers, all the Formula One guys, all the VH guys, they all collect all the telemetry and they use it to make their cars perform better and make their drivers perform better. I don't understand why we don't use it more often to make our trucks perform better and our truck drivers to perform better. You want to be a professional driver, part of being a professional driver is learning how to be better all the time. And uh, I think we need to do it better. And there is a way to do it better. And I, I think we need to probably have that conversation about how to do it better and explain that to people, but it can be done. Well, one of the things yeah. is, it, you know, like you know yourself, Yogi, you, um, oh, yeah. as an owner-driver, that your fuel, fuel efficiency is very important to you. Yeah, I don't know how many times you rang me. So what are you doing today? I'm listening to 94.5. <laughs> that's it. 94.5. So, so that's what I'm sitting on going across the track. I've done the same thing. You're driving around and you're sitting on 90 because you're in no hurry and you're saving fuel. And you, you'd quote your fuel numbers to people and they'd be going, that can't be right. And you're going, yeah, well, it just yeah. is. My tyre wear is, is good. I've balanced the rings all around. And yeah. my tyre wear for what I do is we're loaded, empty, heavy, on the drive, we, we drag a lot of things. We tow, we never tow them. So everything's <laughs> down the back and everything's high and heavy. So mm. I, I can I can get 270, 280,000 out of a set of drive tires, mm. you know, with the rings on it and uh, double coin RLB ones, you know, like, yeah. Mm. So if, if I'm doing it right and paying attention and switching them around and, you know, the tire joint's good to me down here, I don't do it at home. I go down the tire joint and when they're cold, rotate them and look at them and check them and, you know, have yeah. coffees with the owner because he's a good dude. <laughs> yeah. That's right. But even, um, like, I know of companies that pay bonuses to their drivers if they save enough fuel. So they have a, a 
and medium like fuel usage and if you do better than that they'll give you a bonus yeah, that's yeah, good. Um, that's true. Yeah. I mean, there are companies out there that pay drivers by the hour for when they get dicked around and held over, and how it improves their attitude. I don't know. It's not me crazy. Yeah. Well, we'll call you crazy, Mike. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we love doing We've got to go, guys. We've got to go. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have dinner. What? Dinner? Up at six. It's not dinner time yet, Gaggy. It's dinner yeah. Well, we do anyway. It's up past nine, so it is we're a bit past nine o'clock. Been an awesome show. Been great. We've got to thank Rentco for sponsoring the show. Yes, rentco.com.au, or if you need to give them a call, you can get them on 736 826. But you can't hire a Euro cargo van off them, though, I don't. Not yet. Thanks for that, mate. Right Thank on. you. Gentlemen, right thanks, Yogi. Catch you later, buddy. And remember, thanks, guys, if you can't be good, be, be, be. Thanks, Terry, thanks, Daniel. Daniel.